promise us that all good gifts and all perfect gifts come from above. They come from the Father of life, in whom there is no variableness, no shadow of turning. I just wanted to thank God this evening. Thank Him for your life. He's been awesome. Thank Him for your job. Thank Him for your family. Thank Him for His provisions. Father, we thank you this evening. We come to you with a heart full of gratitude. We declare your goodness in the land of the living. We thank you, we praise you, we exalt you, for you are a good God. Thank you, O oh God. This evening we declare that your throne, O oh God, is forever. The scepter of our kingdom is righteousness. For you hate wickedness. Therefore, God, even your God has declared you or anointed you with the oil of gladness. Father, we thank you. Thank you for Jesus, who is the King of our lives, who is the Lord of our lives. We give you praise. We thank you this evening. We ask you to take total control everything that is left that we will do, O oh God, this evening. So that like David, we can declare that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our hearts is acceptable to you, O oh God, our Lord and Redeemer. We thank you and we give you praise. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we worship. Just take your seat, but before you take your seat, just say hello to one person. It's been a few, three days. Say hello. Say you're welcomed. Praise God. So, um, originally when I was planning this, I wanted a Wednesday, I wanted this Wednesday to be a time of conversation where, you know, we can talk and just trash it out, right? Uh, what we have said. But because of the time constraints, there are just a few more points I need to um, clear up so that we can go into a time of constraints. I'll take the first maybe 10 minutes to just uh, get that done and then the time that we have left, we'll just use it to, to talk. And I want us to, you know, really talk because this is, just, this is a very crucial area of our lives. And like we said on Sunday, we said it is um, that our words are very, very critical to our faith. It has a lot to do with our faith. All right? So, um, we talk about three categories of words. Number one is what? Grace-filled words. Number two is what? Idle words. All right? And number three is what? No, no, no. Number, it, it's, no, the, 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 uh, the, I'm talking about the categories now, the categories. So, number one is grace-filled words. 
Number two is the one I said that's in between now, which is the idle words. And then number three is the extreme side of grace, which is doom words or words that are full of doom or what the Bible calls evil words. All right? Do, do we remember that when I was categorizing it? When I was talking about the categories of words? Maybe if you check your notes or you listen to the tape, you... Yeah. So, um, but we're not, dealing, we're not dealing with the other two, but they are important. If we have time, some other time, maybe you know, we'll talk about that, about idle words, their effect on us, and then evil words and their effects on us and how it affects our faith and our Christian work and our Christian life and our lives generally. All right? But we're talking about grace-filled words. All right? And one thing, we look at what Paul said from Colossians 4, 6. He said, let your words be what? Full of grace. All right? And he just stopped there. He said, they have to be what? Seasoned with salt. All right? So, and we said, what? Grace means gift, right? That's what that word means there. Grace means gift. Grace means benefit. In other words, when you speak to somebody or our words or when you speak to yourself in your internal dialogues, right? You should get up from that conversation you're having with yourself as if you've gotten a gift, right? Or if somebody listens to you, they should be able to get out of that place, that environment, your presence, and feel like they have been blessed. They have gotten a gift. That's what that word grace means. Grace-filled words. All right? And when Paul said, be se- and those words must be what? Seasoned with salt. What does that mean? Seasoned of salt is a preservative, right? And salt creates taste, right? Some gifts that we give people leave people with bad taste in their mouth. Am I correct? But that's not what this one is saying. Paul said they should be gifts seasoned with salt. And salt means good taste. So that when people leave you, they know they are taking something away from you. And those things leave a good taste in their mouth that they want to go back. It's like eating in a good restaurant. You want to go back to that restaurant because the food is good. It is tasty. It is nice. It is okay. That's the way our words should be like. You know, and David said something. He said, he said, your words are so sweet to me. He said, I want to, he said, I want to consume them. I want to eat your words because your words are sweet. Because when he goes to the presence of God, the kind of conversations that he has with God, God encourages him, builds him up, corrects him, directs him, and all of that. And he gets, he, 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 I mean, he gets encouraged. He lives there full of grace. And he says, your words are sweet to me. I feel like eating those words. And that's the way we have to be like God. Because we are created in the image and in the likeness of God. And that's the way it should be with us too. That when we speak to people or when we speak to ourselves or we encourage ourselves, right? We should be able to have that feeling that we have been blessed by those words. And that those words leave a good taste in our mouth or in our listener's mouth. It leaves a good taste. And we went ahead to say, what are grace-filled words? Look, what, what are grace-filled words like? And we say, number one, they must be what? Grace-filled words. Number one, they must be what? True. Right? Number one, they must be full of truth. Right? Number two, they must be what? Edifying. All right? Number three, they must be what? Few. The words have to be few. In other words, because when you say too much, you cross the boundary. That's what it means there. You cross a boundary. You go to territories where you're not supposed to, uh, you go to levels or areas or territories where you're not even supposed to, um, you know, be. And then the words, instead of being a blessing to people, it ends up being something that people are, you know, people, people don't want to listen to you. People don't want to thank you uh, for your word. We say true. It has to be true because when you lose credibility, if, you, if, you're, if your words are not truthful, you lose credibility. And when you lose credibility, you, do, you cannot be a blessing. It doesn't matter how anointed a man of God is. If everybody knows or have a feeling that, you know, they lie, 
Nobody wants to listen to them after a while. And like I told you, I know people that they lie. And these people are, you know, good people, so to say. But a lot of times when they talk to me, I doubt it. I don't, because I don't know what the motive is. I don't know what they ought to do. I don't know. I don't know what it's all about, right? So I doubt them. And it, it, instead of becoming a blessing, it becomes a bomb to me, right? And that's where our words are, all right? And then number four, we say those grace-filled words my word, they must be gentle. And we say gentle does not mean being, you know, you withdraw, you are not saying what you're supposed to say, when you're supposed to be firm and clear, you're not, you know, that's not, what, that's not what gentle means. Gentle does not mean, oh, okay, I'm intimidated to say something. Oh, these guys, you know, I'm, I'm the boss here, and they're going wrong, and I just want to be gentle with them. I won't tell them the truth. That's not what gentle means there. That's not what that word gentle means. All right? What, if you look at Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 17, verse 1, the Bible says, a gentle answer or a soft answer turns away wrath. So what we talk about there, about being gentle, simply means what? It simply means the way you say what you say, all right? The way you say matters. In other words, what you are saying, even though you are firm, you are clear, it must be truthful, all right? It must have the intention to build, all right? It must have the intention, I mean, it must be few. It must be full of faith, even though it is, you know, even though you are not distant. So the, in other words, what, what we're saying about gentle is that you are saying something, you are firm, with intention to build, not to harm. Right? And you say it in such a way that the people, you know, your listeners are able to listen to you and take what you're saying because they know that, you know, you are truthful about it. You are, uh, you are intending for their good about what you're saying. And then we say the fifth one is what? It must be full of faith. to know an organization, you want to know a church, you want to know where they are, just take your time, just take your time to listen to them. Right? When, when somebody tells you to go and see a psychiatrist or a psychologist or a, a, a counselor, you know what they're telling you? They're telling you to go and pay them to listen to you. That's all they're doing. That's all psychologists do. They don't live with you, but how do they know, how do they know what's going on with you? Psych counselors don't, they probably have never seen you, but they'll be in, in, in 45 minutes with them, they'll be able to tell you a solution to what the problem is. You know why? Because they have allowed you to talk. They just listen to you talk. So you actually paid them to talk. All right? So we said it is important if you want to know the direction of somebody's life, the Bible tells us like that the tongue is just like, you know, the rudder on the ship, which controls it. So our, 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 our words control our lives. They determine, to a large extent, they determine where our lives are headed for, what our lives are headed to, where, where our lives are headed to. So if you listen to somebody talk continuously, you know where this person is, you know where the person is going. Because your words are revealed. And we said it, we said, we said what? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. All right? And, you know, 
Uh, so we now went, and how do you get into a situation? How do you get into this point where, you know, you're speaking grace-filled words? Your words are true, they're edifying, they're gentle, they're few, and they're, they're faith-filled. And we talked about, number one, listen. You have to listen. You have to be a listener. If you are not a listener, you will, you will, it will be difficult for you to speak grace-filled words because you will run. The thing about, being, uh, not, the thing about not listening is that you jump into conclusion really quick. You jump into easy conclusions. And when you jump into easy conclusions, you are probably not taking every side into consideration of the conversation or of what is going on. You are, you are not taking, you know, you, you are, you are, you are, you are uh, tunnel visioned. All right? Your vision is so narrow and you are not taking everything into consideration. But listen. How long should you listen? Keep listening. As long as you can listen. Listen and listen and listen and listen and listen. You know, as much as you listen, you're able to do it. So we looked at James 1, where uh, the Apostle James was telling us. He, he, said, uh, he said, be quick to hear and slow to speak. Quick to hear, swift to hear, slow to speak. Slow to speak. So in other words, if you, if you put it in the running terminologies, right? Uh, listening should be sprinting, right? Be quick to listen. While speaking should be marathon, right? You take your time. You take your time before you say it. You take your time. You build up. You build up before you say it. So you are swift to hear or listen and quick. I mean, sorry, quick to listen and slow to speak. And that's one thing because it, it helps your judgment. It helps you understand every side of the story and uh, this thing. And the second one I want to tell you, now I'm going to give just three, three points on how do we get on how we get to, to that level, right? I'm going to give three points uh, because of time, because I want us to you know have a few uh, you know conversations if we can. And the first, the second one after listening is if you want to be able to be somebody that speaks grace-filled words every time. The number two thing that you must do is you have to be able to guard your heart. You have to be able to guard your heart. Why is that? That we have to be able to guard your heart. The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the word, the issues of life. Or the way your life will turn around comes from your heart. So now, we're looking at words. The Bible says, words are like rudders. They're like steering, right? They steer your life to a direction. And now we're also hearing that the heart is also a place where everything that comes from your heart, everything that controls your life comes from. So what does that tell me? Right? What does that tell me? That tells me that there is a symbiotic relationship between your heart and your words. All right? There's, a, there's that relationship. The, for good or for bad, your words and your heart influence themselves. All right? So if, that's what Jesus said. He, he, Jesus said, he said, he said, it is not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of him. And in that same scripture again, he said what? He said, a good man out of the good treasures of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth evil things. All right? So there's a symbiotic relationship between your heart. In other words, this is how it works. And I want you to listen and, and, and pay attention. This is how it works. Your heart and your words. All right? What you say. Or, no, let me put it this way. Your heart, for the most part, ends up believing what you say. So your, your, your words influences what your heart believes to a, to a large extent. Alright? 
your words influences what your heart believes and how your heart believes it. So if you keep speaking and speaking and speaking and speaking, the Bible tells us in, in 2 Corinthians, um, in 2 Thessalonians 2, it says there are some people who believe they lie. So it's possible to believe a lie. You can keep speaking a lie and saying something over and over and over and over again, and then you believe it. Because you deceive your own heart. Right? Now, so your, heart, your words influences to a large extent what your heart ends up believing. And on the opposite, what you speak most of the times is a result of what is in your heart. Do you see the relationship? There's a relationship there. They influence themselves. So if good things and your, if, if you speak good things, you speak the word of God, you are saying everything, you are elevating this and you are talking about things that are, that are edifying and all of that, guess what? Your heart begins to believe right. But if your heart begins, if you, if you keep saying and talking things that are, uh, that are not right, all the same, your, heart begins, your heart begins to believe a lie. Alright? And now, what is in your heart begins to influence to a large extent what you say. And that's why you have to guard your heart. Now, we have said you should listen. Don't just talk, right? And then we're now saying you have to guard your heart. He said guard your heart with all diligence. Because out of it are the issues of life. This is our come. There's a symbiotic relationship between your heart and your words. All right? They, they, they influence themselves for good or for bad. They, you know, if, if, what is, if this one is not too good, this one is going to believe bad. And if this one believes bad, it's going to influence the bad you are going to say and all of that. So it goes on like that. There's just that relationship that's, you know. Uh, uh, listen, and let me quickly finish the last one. Um, so the first one will say, listen very well. And then this third one modifies that. It modifies listen. Alright? You have to a large extent be intentional about what you listen to. Because what you listen to, what you hear consistently, becomes what you believe. And you have to be careful what you hear. That's what Jesus said. They said, be careful what you hear. You have to be careful what you hear. You have to be careful, you know, about the places, you have to be careful about the places you take yourself to and hear. Because before you know it, the Bible says, what does the Bible tell us? The Bible tells us that evil communication, in other words, interactions, right? Evil communications, they end up corrupting. They are corrupting. They have, they have corrupting tendencies. They have corrupting powers. So what you listen to has the ability to, uh, to influence what's going to end up coming out of you. All right? So, if you keep company with people who are, uh, whose words are not edifying, they are not, before you know it, you become a part of the whole conversation. Because evil communication corrupts good manners. And if you look at it on the opposite, if evil communication has the power to corrupt good manners, it means that good communication has the power to influence good things. Am I making sense? That's why we need to be careful what we hear. We need to be careful the kind of you know, conversations or the kind of companies that we keep. And, and I'm not saying 
don't be friends with people or don't listen. Just know your limit as to what you can hear, what you can allow to be dumped into you. That's what I'm saying. All right? One of the tactics I use a lot of times for me as a person, I started practicing it, and now it's become a part of me. If, I, if I'm with somebody who is too critical before, you know, I start defend, you know, I get into a defensive mode of what they are criticizing. I just do the opposite. Just go ahead and do the opposite. Because, you see, I don't want my ear to be a dumping ground and my heart becomes a fertile ground for something that is not right. And that's why you have to be careful what you hear. You have to be careful what you hear. All right? There are so many things to say in this. I mean, we cannot finish it here, but because of time, let's go into, you know, a time of, you know, conversation. Any addition, subtraction, anything you don't agree with, just... Yeah, I'm just going to ask, um, is it be careful what you hear or be careful what you hear and process? Because oftentimes we can't close our ears to what, I mean, what is presented. But I believe it's what we process. Which is true, yeah. because really when you, talk about, when you talk about hearing, spiritual hearing, right? You are talking about things that you tend to ponder on and meditate on. And those things end up, listen, that's why uh, uh, the psalmist was saying, I can't remember where the psalm says now. He said, he said, once had the Lord spoken to me, twice have I heard. So you hear with your ear, and then you hear with your heart. All right? And to hear, to hear with your heart, you have to hear with your ears. So if you hear with your ears and you allow it to brood and you process it and you meditate and you stay over it, or you stay around that area for a long time, it's actually going to become a part of you. So yes, what you hear and process, but again, what you process a lot of times is not, does not come in isolation of what you actually hear. So there are some, there are some places or there are some things that you know are just, there are some, there are some you know, people, you want to say something? Okay, there's just some people that, you know, I just won't, I won't, uh, I won't get into, yeah, a conversation with, because I know where those conversations are. I know, I know what they are going, they are, you know, there are people that have come to me, they are, they are close to me, and um, everything they say is just negative, 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 it's just critical, critical, and I mean, I have, I've even had to tell one that, look, if, you, if we have to keep continuing this conversation, we have, you know, we have to uh, stop this, or we're not going to go ahead, you know, with all this conversation, because I saw that the person they were criticizing it was beginning to affect me because I've stayed there for too long. I've stayed there to hear for too long what they were saying about the person. And it began to affect me. And because it did not want, I don't want it to affect me, I said, okay, I don't even want to get into any conversation with you. Yes, sir. Well, yeah, it's kind of along the lines of what I was going to say. Is, um, the way I, I hear it is that um, being careful of, of um, the types of situations that you put yourself in. There are certain places, certain things that you can do where... Um, there's a good chance of these types of things um, happening and not going to that, those certain places, not hanging around those certain types of people um, kind of controls what you hear. Yeah. So. yeah. Okay. I think what I'm, <clears throat> what I'm getting from this yes. is that um, 
a lot of times you have to protect your own peace. Exactly. Um, I know that I've been dealing with a very close family member who is consistently negative. Oh, woe is me, all the time. And unfortunately, I've had to back away from that person because like you said, they, they brought out something in me where I'm trying to take a different path now, you know? And I couldn't keep allowing myself to be that person. Yes, the, the dumping ground yes, for that person, you know? And it's unfortunate, but it has just gotten to a point where I had to make a decision, you know? And I had to do the best thing for me. Yeah. Um, and I can't grow if I allow this person to continue yes. to do this. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. You, you really hit home with me, thank you, thank you thank know, you, you did. Let, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. You know, when I was growing up, my parents, my parents are divorced. They're not together. And um, guess what? Whenever I'm with my mother, she's so negative about my dad that I begin to, I begin, sometimes I feel like when I see him, I will strangle him. Because she will be with me and, and, you know, she's talking, she's so negative. She's putting every negative things, things I'm not even supposed to hear. Things I'm not, you know, things that happened way before I was born. Just put it up on me. 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 And sometimes when I, when I come close to my dad, the next time I want to, you know, I want to strangulate my dad. And after, you know, I stay, I stay with my dad for a while. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, those things start subsiding and all of that. And he starts doing negativity too about my mother. And he starts saying all kinds of crazy things about her. And when I see my mother, I think she's the most evil person in the world. You know, so, but I had to come to a place as I grew up and as I, as I, as I got to this thing, I, I grew up, I said, okay, I, I had to draw a line. We're not, you are not going to talk about your former, your ex-wife to me, and you are not going to talk about your husband to me. I'm not going to listen to it. I had to draw that line because I saw it was beginning, even though they are my parents, I saw it was beginning to affect me. I wasn't able to be affectionate or at least do the best I can do for any one of them because of, you know, the negative, you know, things they were saying, you know, about me. And those things were getting, you know, they were becoming, they, are getting, they were getting rooted in me. And so we had to cut that out so that I can grow and I can, you know, increase in the things. Of yes, ma'am. <clears throat> that is exactly what is happening in the body of Christ today. You know, when people hear something... They don't know the roots. They don't know what happened or what inspired. They just take side. And when they see the person or whoever or the brother or whoever they talk about, they just look at him from that or her from that angle. That is what is killing the church today. Without knowing what exactly that inspired. You know, so but if only we, the Bible said that we should mark them that cause division in the house of the Lord. If you mind those people that carry those fake news and fake rumors, stay away from them. Not, just love them from a distance. Don't just contribute to what they are doing. I can't caution them. Call them to order. Do you know the root of this thing? Yeah, are you sure of what you're saying? And you, from, if we call them and confront them, are you sure of what you're saying? If 
I call this person now. Will you say exactly the same thing to that person? You know, if we can stand up and say the truth is in love, it, things will be okay. Because these are things are not supposed to mention among us, even we believers. It's a disgrace to me. It, should, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be happening. It should not be things that will happen. One of the, one of the important points that you made was protecting what you hear. And I noticed that several years ago when we had an election, that there were certain TV channels like CNN, that all they produced was fear and fear and fear. And everybody was tuned in to the news and what's going on and elections and this, but there was a, an, under, an underlying current of fear, right? So in the interest of being distracted because you wanna know what the news is, you're also being bombarded in your hearing with fear. And then along with that, a lot of times people will fall asleep listening to the radio, fall asleep watching TV, yeah. right? Yeah. And without you knowing it, yes. the you're news, picking the, you're picking up information, yes. whatever the TV program yeah. is, whatever the news report is, yeah. you're hearing that in your sleep and subconsciously, you're allowing that seed yes. to be planted in your heart. You're absolutely right. So it's very important to watch the background noise. Yes. The radio station, yes. the music, the words in the music, yes. what's going on in, on TV while you're cleaning the house. Really doing, yeah, you're right. Because yeah, those I'll seeds will, will come into you. you. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let, me, let me process that. For me as a person, I'm not saying, you know, everybody should do what is right for them, right? Everybody do what is right for you. What you know is right. Do right by God. Do right by yourself, all right? But for me, I don't even listen to news anymore. I don't listen to any news. There's no news I listen to, all right? That's, that's just me. I'm, I mean, I may be wrong. I may not be, I mean, I may. Okay, okay. So, so that means I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not alone. Yeah, I don't listen, I don't listen to the news. Then two, what I do, what I do that he said that is really, really important. And here's what I've discovered, right? Whenever I'm going to bed, right? Whenever I'm going to bed, I turn on my Bible app. And I put on my Bible and it's speaking. Bible on words. It speaks to me. It's, when I'm going to bed, I put it on. When I'm waking up, I wake up with the word of God. All right? And here's what I have noticed. Here's what I've noticed. Some of the, some of the words in scriptures that have imprinted the most importance to me are some of the words that I hear when I wake up. Yeah. There are some words that just, you know, some verse or some scriptures just jump up. Maybe I wake up, you know, from my sleep. Or you know, I'm getting up to go to the bathroom and things like that, and I just hear one word. Sometimes those words, they stick into my brain for a long time, and that has helped me, you know, to be able to, you know, build myself. So, if it's good for you and you think it's good for you, it might be, it might be something that you should, you should try and practice. So, I don't, I don't just go to bed just sleeping like that. Now, there are some people who cannot do, you know, who can, who, some people may not be able to sleep with the noise, right? But, that's the kind of noise I enjoy, right? So I go to bed. When I'm going to bed, I turn my, you know, app, put it on, you know, put it on the audio, and it starts reading the word of God. I go to bed, I sleep, I wake up, I sleep, I wake up, and some of the words that have, that have, imprint, that have been imprinted in my spirit more are from those experiences that I've had. So I'm just saying that to buttress what you are saying, that there are things that you hear, 
you know, that you're not very careful of, and those things are really strong, and they become very impactful in your life. Yeah. In Africa, well, I have a son in South, South Africa, and a whole lot of things happening in Africa, you know, uh, terror, killings, and all those stuff. And my son is not in the environment where that is happening, but it's happening in Johannesburg. And in Johannesburg, I have a, we have a friend, a pastor friend. I have to call her two days ago because it was real. When you watch the news, it's really bad. So I called her, and she said, look, I am afraid. I'm scared. I don't know what to do. So I said, well, what can I can just tell you, because he has a shop around uh, that place. So I said, the Bible says you speak your faith. You speak what you believe and not what you feel or what you hear. You know, and I said something in my language and I said it to her and it got into her spirit. I said, look, you are not part of the people that will die there. So don't, be, don't entertain that already. You know, if you hear something or you see already and you are, a fear grips your heart and you don't speak your faith, that creates something and you kind of, uh, you are shaking. And the moment I said that to her, she was so happy because her husband is not lying there with her. It's only our son together. So, and another thing happened, which I want to say, this was uh, where um, some places, uh, a place I worked before, and, um, well, this is the pastor. The pastor said, you know what? Because I left, and God said, it's your time to leave that place. The pastor said, the pastor was not happy that I left. So the pastor, I now moved to another place, and the pastor, once you move like that, they look around where you are, and they begin to say, we don't want, just make sure that person doesn't, nobody employed or anything, get anything to do with you. And I got to this place, and I was there for years. And guess what? The pastor was watching. The pastor was told that get rid of that guy in your ministry. He's bad. Now, this, I just want to buttress that. So, the pastor was watching for four years. And after four years, the pastor didn't tell me anything. And the pastor just called me. He said, this is what your other pastor told me that I should do. That I should get rid of you. And I've watched you. I've watched you. There's nothing like that. So when somebody says you are bad, I don't just run away with one side of the story and just believe what the person says about you. I have to see it for myself. I know. Because if that person is even bad, God wants me to, you know, not to look at the in a weakness of that person and do something. I was shocked. And since that time, you know, I learned a great deal from that. And when you look at somebody and somebody come to you and say, you know what? Get, be careful of that. Be careful from that lady or from that guy. He's a bad guy. Because of what I learned many years ago, I don't just conclude. I just look at you that you are wasting your time. You are not the one that created the person. So I'm not going to just judge. I'm going to watch things for myself. All right.
were talking earlier about the parents talking against each other. I experienced a lot of that too, and more from my mother than my dad because I was around my mother more. But you know, and at that time, I really didn't want to hear it either. Even though I knew she was telling the truth, I really didn't want to hear it. But as I got older, I have thought so many times since she's been gone that I wish I had just thought to ask her something like, and how did that make you feel? Or say something like, I just asked her different questions, you know, to get a better understanding of why, you know, these things were on her mind so fast. I remember one time I told her something to let her know that I, I did not want to hear that. And she said, well, can't I talk about my life? You know? <laughs> That aspect of your life, I don't want to hear. Every other aspect, I will listen. Okay. <laughs> well, that it's aspect. A, it's a, like I say, as it's I got older, I just start to think that maybe, you know, had I just been more inquisitive yeah. or just appealed more to her side of understanding her, that she might, we might have felt like it was no need to talk about it anymore, you know? Yeah. So sometimes yeah. Yeah. when we do seem to really just talk to people and, and try to understand what they're saying, then sometimes they don't feel that need to keep on talking, talking. negatively yeah. about yeah. somebody right. or something. You're right. You're right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, um, it's you know, that's all those, uh, all those things, especially where the parents and all of that, that thing can be, uh, it can be, it can be tricky in some way because I am a witness to some of the things my dad did to my mom and they were bad, you know, they, because, you know, by the time, by the time they were, Falling apart, I was already, you know, I was, you know, I was, I was kind of wise. So, and I know some of the things that he did were, were things that were, were, were not uh, good. But to be honest with you, when I look at myself and I look at my life and things, I see my father's contributions there. Some of the good things that have happened to me, I see my father's contributions. I see... I, I see that aspect, that area of tenacity, never wanting to give up, uh, that courage and the boldness. My father taught me boldness. He taught me courage. He taught me not to be afraid of, you know, of things. So even though, yeah, he did some you know, bad stuff, but he's not altogether bad. You understand what I'm saying now? And yeah, while I cannot deal with that bad side, I will always have this good side to deal with. You know, so... That's the, um, uh, that's the, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the, that's the, that's the side that, you know, I prefer to remember about my father. Yeah. The, the good side, that side that was, you know, really bold, that was really courageous, that, you know, uh, was very fasty, fought for what he wanted and all of that. Yeah. I, I learned, so, I learned some of those things from him, you know, so, so I love that about him. So there will always be something that you will like about somebody. I, I, I don't think, for the most part, for the most part, here's what I have. I have not lived very long, but here's what I have experienced, or here's what I've come to find out about life. And that is, for the most part, people are good or they want to be good. Yeah. yeah. So people are good or they want to be. Yeah. Only very few people are just totally, completely evil and don't want to be evil. I mean, don't want to change, don't want to be good. There are very few people that do that. That's my experience, at least in my own little corner. So, 
All right. Okay. Yes. Okay. 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 Finally, um, I I have the same experience that you have. For years, I misjudged. I hated my father. In fact, all my siblings, we had nothing to do with him. My parents divorced when I was 10. And all our lives, we never had anything to do with our father because of the seeds my mom planted in all of us. And after so many years, they parted ways. We grew up in hardship. In so many, you know, the environment we grew up was terrible. And when I grew, I, I made up my mind when the Lord found me and when I found the Lord, when I gave my life to Christ, things started changing. So I made a decision that I was going to go look for my father, which my mother objected. She fought me, she beat me, she, so many things. I shouldn't have anything to do with him. But as time goes on, I went to go look for him. That was the very first time. I went to my village to go look for my father. I was trying to um, find out where he was. Eventually, when I saw him, he was shocked that I could come look for him. And at the end of the day, I never knew my father was such a loving man. You know, he, he, was, he wanted to be there for us, but my mother never allowed him. I started finding out so many things that really actually happened. That my, that my mom made us to believe that it was my father. And, you know, and, and this love just grew from my heart. I even, I, I, to the extent that I, when I wanted to get married, my mother said, no, my uncle will give me out. I said, no, my father is still alive. You know, I don't care what it will take. But at the end of the day, to cut the long story short, the Lord still used me after so many years to bring them back together. And... My mother is born again now. My father, I trust God for his salvation, even though when he calls me, he tells me that the Jesus that you're serving, please tell him to pray for, tell him to whatever, whatever. But I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm so, you know, what, what hatred, what seed, the world, what you tell people, this, what it does in a child's life, in people's life. I'm telling you, we should be very careful the words that we sow in the people's life. last one, I promise. But with all of the social media activity that goes on now, you know, with our children being on social media, you know, <clears throat> people really have to monitor, you know, what information the children are getting and what information we're getting. And I'll give you a prime example. Um, back in February, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So of course, the first thing I do is I go on the internet because I want to get all the information, you know. So I go into these forums and I'm reading all these horror stories, you know, and my, I'm, I'm taking all this in, you know, and I had to get ready for surgery. Well, three weeks before surgery, I was a disaster, just with anxiety, you know? And I think a lot of it just came from 
taking all this information in, right? And not leaning on the word of God and trusting that, that God would take care of this for me, which he did, you know. So all of my, my anxiety, that didn't do nothing. That, that did nothing for me, you know, other than raise my blood pressure, you know. So, um, but I'm saying all that to say, you know, we want information and, you know, that's good. We should educate ourselves, but we also have to limit and know, like you said, our boundaries, you know, and, and when to stop, you know. Um, but I, I went through that whole process and everything was fine. And come to find out a couple of weeks later, I had to have another surgery um, as a result of the first surgery. But I'm gonna tell you something. When I went into that second surgery, I was ready. <laughs> I was ready, I was calm, I was at peace because the same God that brought me through the first one was gonna bring me through this one. And he did, you know, but without all the added drama from, <laughs> from me, you know. So, you know, we just have to be conscious of what we read and, and what information we're taking in, even on the internet, you know, so. Just, just ask God to uh, help you with what you say and what you hear. They, they, they are very important. Uh, sometimes you cannot avoid certain things. You cannot avoid hearing certain things. But just tell God that he will help you not to process those things that are not profitable to you, that will not profit you. So you will not process it, those things that are not profitable to you. Father, we just want to thank you this evening. We'll give you praise. We'll exalt you. In the name of Jesus. Father, this evening we just want to thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Thank you for giving us a listening heart. And above all, thank you for giving us a heart that is ready to do what we have heard. Because we don't only want to be hearers alone. We also want to be doers. Help us to be able to mix what we have heard with faith so that we can do it and it will profit us. Father, we give you praise. We bless your holy name. Thank you for the rest of the week. Uh, you will help us because you are a constant help for us. Therefore, we lean on you for the rest of the week and even the rest of our days. Father, we bless you. Whatever issues that we are going through now, Help us. You are the great helper. Whatever problems we are going through now, help us. You are the great helper. We thank you. We thank you because we can lean on you. Father, you say you are the God that listens. 
and we trust that your ears are wide open to us. And therefore, we can trust you and speak to you and know for sure that you are listening to us. Father, we give you praise. We thank you. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. All right, let's say surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and we shall continually dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. All right, if you have an offering, if you have something to give, a gift, just bring it out here, put it in the 